You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Scripture reading this morning is taken from the book of Numbers, chapter 11, beginning with verse 4 and reading to the end of the chapter. The rabble with them began to crave other food, and again the Israelites started wailing and said, If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. The manna was like coriander seed and looked like resin. The people went around gathering it and then ground it in a handmill or crushed it in a mortar. They cooked it in a pot or made it into cakes. And it tasted like something made with olive oil. When the dew settled on the camp at night, the manna also came down. Moses heard the people of every family wailing each at the entrance to his tent. The Lord became exceedingly angry, and Moses was troubled. He asked the Lord, Why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you, that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms? as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to their forefathers. Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me, give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you are going to treat me, put me to death right now. If I have found favor in your eyes, Do not let me face my own ruin. The Lord said to Moses, Bring me seventy of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there And I will take of the spirit that is on you and put the spirit on them. They will help you carry the burden of the people so that you will not have to carry it alone. Tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. The Lord heard you when you wailed, if only we had meat to eat, we were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat, and you will eat it. You will not eat it for just one day, or two days, or five, ten, or twenty days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it, because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wailed before him, saying, Why did we ever leave Egypt? But Moses said, Here I am among 600,000 men on foot, and you say, I will give them meat to eat for a whole month? 
Would they have enough if flocks and herds were, herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? The Lord answered Moses, Is the Lord's arm too short? You will now see whether or not what I say will come true for you. So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. He brought together seventy of their elders and had them stand around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him, and he took of the spirit that was on him and put the spirit on the seventy elders. When the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they did not do so again. However, two men, whose names were Eldad and Medad, had remained in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but they did not go out to the tent. Yet the Spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses replied, Are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Then Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. Now a wind went out from the Lord and drove quail in from the sea it brought them down, it brought them down all around the camp to about three feet above the ground, as far as a day's walk in any direction. All that day and night, and all the next day, the people went out and gathered quail. No one gathered less than ten omers. Then they spread them out all around the camp, but while the meat was still between their teeth, and before it could be consumed, the anger of the Lord burned against the people, and he struck them with a severe plague. Therefore the place was named Kibroth Hata'ava, because there they buried the people who had craved other food. From Kibroth Hata'ava, the people traveled to Hazaroth and stayed there. text for the preaching of God's Word this morning is Numbers chapter 11, the verses 24 through 30. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, the atmosphere in the camp of Israel was starting to turn sour again. This time it begins with the rabble. Now, we do not know exactly who these rabble were. In Exodus chapter 12, when the Lord led his people out of Egypt, it is clear, it says there in verse 38, many other people went up with them. But who exactly were these people? Were they some Egyptians who happened to sympathize with the Israelites? Were they slaves from other nations who also went with the Israelites. We do not know exactly, but here they are in Numbers 11, and they're called the rabble. 
the rabble were also rabble rousers. They're stirring up the pot here in the camp and getting everybody worked up again about food. They're sick and tired of eating manna all the time and they want meat. And so a spirit of discontent, a spirit of unthankfulness spreads like wildfire through the whole camp. And that spirit of discontent soon becomes a spirit of hopelessness and despair. God's people are wailing, each at the entrance to his tent. Well, at this point, Moses snaps. He can't take it anymore. He's frustrated. He's exasperated. He simply had enough. He just wants to die. And here Moses shows that he too is a weak and sinful human being. But overall, it's not a good situation. The atmosphere in the camp, the people, the rabble, the leader, Moses, is going from bad to worse in an awful hurry. Something has to be done. And what then does the Lord do? Sure, He sends meat, more than enough meat, quail on the wind, but that's not the real problem. The real problem is not the lack of variety in the menu. The real problem is the sinful attitude in the hearts of God's people. That unhealthy, unholy spirit of discontent, unthankfulness, despair, hopelessness, and rebellion. How does the Lord respond to that? He works with His Holy Spirit to counter the unholy spirit in the hearts of His people. Now, brothers and sisters, we can be thankful that overall the atmosphere in our churches, our congregations, also here in Langley, is not as sour as it was in the camp of the Israelites. Oh, let's be honest. We have our moments. We have our issues too. But overall, we have a lot to be thankful for and we should be thankful for it. Still, we would be foolish and naive to rest on our laurels and say, okay, everything is well then. Because that same sinful spirit of bitterness, discontent, stubbornness, that lives in the heart of each and every one of us. It's part of our sinful nature. And just like God's people of old, we need very much the working of the Holy Spirit to counteract our own unholy sinful spirits. And to that end, the Lord also gives us office bearers. And so this morning I may proclaim to you God's word as follows. The Lord equips office bearers with His Holy Spirit to carry God's people forward. We will see that these gifts of the Spirit are not limited to one person. They're not limited to one place. Finally, they're meant 
to carry God's people forward for their own well-being. Now, brothers and sisters, a lot has happened to Moses and to the Israelites, for that matter, since they left Egypt. Crossing through the Red Sea on dry ground, famine, thirst in the wilderness, arrival at Mount Sinai, the Lord coming down in thunder and lightning, the giving of the Ten Commandments, the sin of the golden calf. It's all happened. And now it's all behind them. You see, here in Numbers 11, we're not at Mount Sinai anymore. God's leading His people forward. They're now in the desert of Paran, not in the desert of Sinai anymore. They're heading towards the Promised Land. And you would think that now that their direction is clearly headed for the Promised Land, that the people could just concentrate on finishing off that journey, stop the complaining, stop all the rebellion, and just get to the Promised Land. But here again, incited by the rabble, they start complaining and even more than that wailing. And this is the straw that breaks the camel's back for Moses. And look, Moses is no angel here in this chapter. His attitude and his approach are quite simply wrong and sinful. The Lord also rebukes him. You see that in verse 23. For Moses' faith too was weak and he needed a rebuke. But there's something else that needs our attention here. And that is this. Why has it come to this point? Why does it come to the point where Moses says there in verse 14... I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. This whole thing of the big burden was supposed to have been solved already at Mount Sinai. Remember? Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, came for a visit. Jethro saw it. It was obvious way too much for one man. And so Jethro gave advice. Moses agreed. Capable men were picked. Elders. They were, you would say, put in place. Today we would say, appointed and duly ordained. That was all in Exodus 18 already. And then, moving from Exodus 18 to Exodus 24, those 70 elders... Along with Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, they went up on Mount Sinai. And they even, brothers and sisters, ate and drank in the presence of the holy God on that mountain. A meal like no one should ever forget. A meal that should have been enough to convince those 70 elders that serving the holy God is serious business. And you don't just shrug it off and act as if you don't have a duty to do. So when this rabble stirs up the whole camp again, why don't these 70 elders step up to the plate and help Moses? Why don't they say, 
okay, Moses, let's talk about this together. Let's pray about this crisis together. Let's come to some kind of a way, some type of an approach to handle this. And then working all together as leader Moses and 70 elders do what needs doing to address the problem. Why does Moses have to say, here I am doing it all by myself and I can't handle it. Do the elders hold back because they're afraid? It is a touchy situation. Emotions are high. Or is it, and that can also be the case, that Moses had not been so faithful in the art of delegation. And he had not given duties and responsibilities over to the elders. And if you don't give the men opportunity to do their task, then things usually don't happen. Most likely it was a bit of both. But whatever the case, one thing is clear. The Lord, and thankfully so, He has an answer to this situation. The Lord is going to equip those 70 elders by taking of the Spirit, His Spirit, who was on Moses, and putting Him also upon the 70 elders. The leadership gifts of the Holy Spirit are not just for one man, but 71 men. Brothers and sisters, in the last number of weeks, and you could have read that in the church news, here in the Fraser Valley, congregation by congregation, one on this Sunday, another on that Sunday, but there's been a changeover of leaders, elders and deacons. Nominations, appointments, ordinations, by now most of that is complete. And we can now sit back, rest on our laurels and say, okay, we've found enough men, they've been appointed, they're ordained. Ha, ah, we're all set for another year. But in order to do the work of office, those men need to be equipped with the Holy Spirit. So much attention goes around the time of nomination and ordination, but what about the whole year then that comes after that? It is worth taking note of that when men are ordained to office, the prayer that is given immediately after their ordination is about the Holy Spirit. We pray as a congregation, we thank you, Lord, that you have given us men who are endowed with your Holy Spirit. Grant them more and more the gifts that they need, wisdom, courage, discretion, and mercy, so that each one of them may fulfill his office as is pleasing to you. Well, whether it was the elders in Israel in the desert of Paran, or whether it is the elders and deacons here in Langley or any other congregation, it's not just being ordained. 
need to be equipped to do the work. And this then is what the Lord pays attention to and charges Moses to organize the camp for. And so Moses went out and he told the people what the Lord had said. And then he brought together those 70 elders and note he had them stand around the tent, literally in a circle. Now you have to picture that camp a little bit. The Lord's tent, the tabernacle, was right in the middle. And then off on the eastern side, the camps of the tribes of Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. On the south side was Reuben, Simeon, and Gad. On the west side, Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin. And then on the north side, Dan, Asher, and Naphtali. The Lord's tent in the middle, and then all the tents of all of God's people in a big circle around his tent. And now Moses calls the 70 men, and they stand, undoubtedly in a smaller circle, around the Lord's tabernacle in the middle. And they have to face the center. This way, no man has to kind of look around the head of another man. Everyone can see, clear view, unobstructed, the Lord's tent. Now behind them are hundreds and thousands of other tents. And you read what's happening in front of every one of those tents. And notice how the scriptures emphasize that. In front of every tent, there's the whole family that lives inside that tent, wailing, complaining, acting as if everything is falling apart. That's at the backs of those men. And brothers and sisters, the situation in the camp seems far too emotional, far too overwhelming for any group of men to handle. But that's why Moses puts them in a circle around the Lord's tent, as if to say to the elders, now, don't turn your head. Don't look back at all those wailing people. You look at the Lord's tent. Because that's where you're going to get the strength. That's where you're going to get the wisdom and the courage. Not by looking there, but by looking at the Lord's tabernacle. Do these men need spiritual strength and fortitude? You better believe it. Seventy office bearers, seventy elders is a big group. It's a large council, we would say. But there are 600,000 men on foot. And assuming that most of those men are married and have been blessed with children, that's an enormous amount of people to take care of. If you care to do the math, that's about 8,500 families per elder. Rather large ward, you would say. Are they going to need strength, 
fortitude in order to do what needs doing in the midst of God's people? Absolutely. Where are they going to get it? In themselves? By looking to the people? No. By looking to the Lord. For the Lord is the one who gives His Spirit. Now, when elders, deacons, or for that matter, pastors today, may look into a congregation, and they know there's that need there, and there's that need over there, and and that needs doing, and, and that needs taking care of too, at a certain point it all becomes overwhelming. But the encouragement is this. Remember where the strength comes from. From the Lord who gives His Spirit. The Spirit of Jesus Christ. Because we're not in the desert of Paran anymore. We live in the post-Pentecost era. The Spirit of the ascended Lord Jesus Christ has been poured out and given The Spirit of Christ, the Son of God, the One who now sits with all power, all strength, all glory at the right hand of God. That is where the strength is given to fulfill the duties of office. Going back to the desert of Paran, do those 70 elders need wisdom? You better believe it. This whole kerfuffle was sparked by the rabble. Now, whatever the background of these people was, obviously they come from different culture, perhaps different language, different mindset, history, than God's people, even though there may have been some overlap. But whenever you're dealing with different circumstances, different background, different culture, perhaps different language, everything becomes so delicate. One wrong sentence, and you could have a whole other problem. Where are these men going to get wisdom? Do leaders today need wisdom? Are there all kinds of subtle little nuances that leaders had better be attuned to? Otherwise, things can go off the rails. Absolutely. Where do you get wisdom? Look to the center, the tabernacle. And then, remember... We're not in the desert of Paran anymore. The Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, He who is wiser than Solomon, that's the Spirit that men receive to do their work. Do these 70 men need courage? For sure. You know, it's a whole lot easier to just stick to your own little tent Just take care of your own family. There's enough to do there, isn't there? And then the whole idea of having to take care of other tents and other families and think of what they need. Well, I'd just rather stay home. It takes courage. Does it also take compassion, mercy, patience? Absolutely. All of us as God's people, we stumble, we sin again and again. Look at what happened in the desert. It was like it was never ending, the problems. At a certain point, perhaps it's easy to feel like Moses and say, 
That's it. I can't take it anymore. It's too much. Lose your patience. Where do you get courage? Where do you get compassion? Where do you get patience? Not by looking to yourself. Not by looking backwards out in the people. Look to the Lord in the center. Four. He's given the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Is there anyone more compassionate, more merciful, more patient than Him? Well, obviously, with this perspective, with their eyes, their hearts, and their minds going in the right direction, the Lord is giving more than enough to equip these men. But now, these men, and also the congregation, they need to have confidence that the elders have been equipped with the Spirit. And so, when the Spirit rests on them, they prophesied. Some people think they did some kind of ecstatic, some kind of very strange, abnormal thing. It does happen. For instance, with Saul, that erratic, ecstatic behavior is evident. But often, when the prophets prophesied, it was simply bringing God's Word, plain, simple, but forceful. What was it here? Do not know for sure, but the point is this. They prophesied that was evident to everyone, even though they did not continue to do that, because Moses was the one through whom the Lord revealed His message, but it was clear. Well, brothers and sisters, if it was clear then, it's all the more clear now, now that the Spirit has been poured out, not just on 71 men, but now, after Pentecost, on the whole people of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We've all been baptized into the Spirit. Do you wonder? you have questions? Baptism. That's where you receive the confidence that we, as leaders, members of the congregation, have all received the Holy Spirit. And so... We may go forward with good confidence. Yes, there will be difficult times, difficult visits, because of sadness, because of tension. But we're not just there as people, human beings. We may say with confidence, as baptized members of the Church of Jesus Christ, that the Spirit rests upon us. Moses wished, he wished, that all of God's people would have the Spirit resting upon them. Because that's where the problem was in the hearts and the minds of all of God's people. Now we don't have to wish. Now we may live under that blessing. And connected directly to it is this, that just as the Spirit is not limited to certain people, He's also not limited to just one particular holy, sanctified place. You see, there were two men, Eldad and Medad. They were on the list. They were part of the 70. Everything was in order that way. But they weren't standing in that circle. Why not? 
Some again think that maybe these were stubborn, rebellious men. They didn't want to listen to Moses. It's a lot simpler explanation than that. The people had to consecrate themselves to be clean. Perhaps Eldad and Medad had somehow become unclean, touching a dead body, touching something else that was unclean. And so, as you know from the Old Testament laws, that takes time in certain circumstances for an unclean person to become clean. Well, on this special day, Eldad and Medad, for whatever reason, are withheld from being there, and yet the Spirit of the Lord rests on them, even though they're in the camp and everyone else is standing around the tent of meeting. They prophesy, just like everyone else prophesies. There's no difference. Only one thing. The majority are there, and Eldad and Medad are here in a different place. And that young man and Joshua afterwards are shocked because they think that if the Spirit's going to come and rest, then he should be there in the holy place by the tabernacle, not out there in the camp. But again, even though that young man, and especially Joshua, says, Moses, my master, stop them. This should not be. Moses has quite a different perspective. He says, no, Joshua, were that it went even farther in that direction. Again, expressing that wish that all of God's people, that whole camp, would be blessed by the Spirit. Well, Moses' wish was what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ accomplished on Pentecost Day. Moses' wish is the blessing that we enjoy each and every day. You may be there in your family room, perhaps on a home visit, and there, even though you may be kilometers away from the church, you don't need to be in the church to be blessed with the gifts and the working of the Holy Spirit. It's not as if the church is some super holy place. You may be in a hospital room, an emergency room. You may be in some doctor's office or even an operating room. And yet, we may have the confidence that the Spirit of Jesus Christ is with us. There may be an elder who is visiting someone in a coffee shop. Sometimes that seems the best way to do things. Even there, in a coffee shop, as ordinary, as, 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 as pedestrian and mundane as Tim Hortons, as God's people, we may be confident the Spirit of Jesus Christ is with us. Consistory meetings, Deacons meetings, council meetings, Bible studies. Wherever we go, whatever we do as God's people, this is an enormous encouragement and blessing. We don't need to go to a certain place to have the Spirit work in our hearts. Because the Spirit is God. He is already everywhere. Everywhere to give you courage. 
everywhere to give you wisdom, everywhere to give you patience, mercy, and compassion. And so, we go forward. Because, just like God's people of old, we're not in the promised land yet. And on the journey from here to there, there are many things that need doing. And so, Moses and the elders of Israel, verse 30, returned to the camp. doesn't say that everyone in the camp was all settled down now. Perhaps their attention had been distracted as they saw these men prophesying and they were summoned by Moses. Perhaps it deflected the attention a bit. But you know how emotions are. They still bubble. They still linger under the surface. Moses and the elders have their work cut out for them, to be sure. It would be a whole lot nicer to stay there in that cozy circle around the tabernacle. There everything is peaceful. There everything is glorious. Out in the camp, there's wailing, there's despair, there's disgruntlement. But yet, they go. And so, brothers and sisters, also elders, deacons, you must go and do what the Lord has called you to do. It's a great privilege in the first place because unlike these 70 elders who are with the Old Testament mediator Moses, who was a weak and a sinful man and who could not handle it all by himself, but today elders, deacons are sent out, called by Moses, by Jesus Christ, the New Testament mediator, who is God. He has no limits. The burden is not too great for him. The arm of the Lord Jesus Christ is not too short. And yet, he has decided in his wisdom to call men, ordain men, to work in the midst of his church, his people. What a privilege. And second, The work must be done knowing that it can only be done in the strength of the Spirit. But brothers, and then also all of us as a congregation, if we are looking in the direction where the Lord directed His people in the desert of Paran, not to ourselves, Not in the first place to all the problems, all the emotions bubbling around. To the Lord and the Spirit of Jesus Christ, whom He has given to equip us all. Then we go forward. And we go forward with confidence. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.